0: Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 414. Thanks for supporting the podcast and thank you for joining us. I would imagine a majority of the people listening to this are Met fans. If you're a baseball fan and you just love baseball history, uh, he is a great, great guest. Dwight Gooden is on the show today, the former Met, former Yankee. Cannot wait to have one of the most dominant pitchers of my childhood on the podcast. Last couple of weeks, I have been telling you about a new product that Doc is involved with. It's called Imbue CBD. The founders of Imbue CBD have nearly three decades of experience in the cannabis and healthcare industries and are passionate about utilizing their expertise and know-how to deliver exclusive proprietary products designed and envisioned to provide outstanding results. To see what products they have available and to get 30% off your order, Use Doc's code DG16, imbuecb dot and use the code DG16 for thirty percent off. That link will also be in the show notes. Before we get to Doc, I just want to say we tried an experiment for the first time on the podcast. You know, we've done four hundred of these, and for this interview, you know, I, I wanted to make it a unique interview and. I've interviewed Doc Gooden, you know, dozens of times over the years, and I, I know his story. The story is he burst onto the scene. He was this dominant pitcher. And he had this unbelievably Hall of Fame path, and then you know got involved with drugs. And you know he, he famously or infamously missed the uh, New York Mets championship parade in 1986. And was seemingly out of the game. Went to rehab and suspensions. And then comes back. George Steinbrenner takes a chance on him. And Daryl Strawberry for that matter. And then he throws a no-hitter. And I was like, what, what about this, this guy do fans really want to know? And I tried it on social media. And a couple of weeks ago when we were getting ready to record him, I just said, do you have any good questions? And I just want to say... Uh, a special thank you to the, the many, many folks who submitted questions. There were some 50 questions submitted. I think I used 10 of them. They were brilliant. They were really, really worth When you think of Dwight Gooden, you think of two moments. The first is when he burst on the scene with the New York Mets.
1: Dwight Gooden, the ninth teenager to play for the New York Mets and the third youngest pitcher the Mets have ever had. Dwight is the youngest player in the National League 19 years of age fastball struck him out. So Dwight Gooden gets his first major league strikeout. He had 300 of them last year at Lynchburg.
0: So Dwight one strike away from making Mets history as the youngest pitcher to pitch a shutout. Strike three. Struck out the side in the bottom of the ninth. 11 strikeouts in the game for Dwight Gooden as he picks up his first complete game and first shutout
1: and of what should be many more to come. And Dwight Gooden takes over on the mound. So he becomes the youngest man ever to play in the All-Star game. 19, two years out of high school. One of the brilliant young Met pitchers leads the Majors in strikeouts at the All-Star break. 2-2 pitch to Parrish. Got him swinging. So Dwight Gooden leading the bigs in strikeouts. Strikes Parrish out on a 91-mile-an-hour pitch. This Gooden is amazing. And he strikes him out. Gooden with 133 strikeouts in 111 innings this season. 19 years old. And Gooden strikes out the side. Dwight Gooden, two years out of high school, Two years ago in Tampa, Florida, and at the age of 19, comes into the All-Star Game and strikes out the side.
0: Thanks to the New York Mets for putting that video together, and uh, we took some of the audio. Great to hear some of the announcers. Steve Sabrisky, Howard Cosell, Al Michaels, Ralph Kiner, uh, some really great, great names. Uh, The other highlight that I wanted to focus on before we talked to Doc uh, was the no-hitter. May 14th, 1996. It was the most unlikely of stories and the play-by-play announcer for the Yankees on television was Dave Cohen, who, if you listen to this podcast, was featured on episode 371 and we talk about the Gooden no-hitter. Here's Coney Island Dave calling Gooden's no-hitter. Dwight Gooden pitched from 1984 to 1994, and then again from 1996 to 2000 for the New York Mets, the New York Yankees, the Cleveland, then Indians, the Houston Astros, the Tampa Bay, then Devil Rays. He finished with a record of 194 and 112, an ERA of 3.51, National League Rookie of the Year. He won the NL Cy Young, helped the Mets win the 1996 World Series, In 2010, was inducted into the Mets Hall of Fame. Doc, it's good to see you again. It's good to see you looking well. Last time we tried to do this, you had like four minutes. And I was like, this is not going to work. This is not a podcast. Uh, Now we're relaxed. We can hang out and do an episode of Sports with Friends. Thanks so much for coming back.
1: Yes, thanks for having me. Hope all is well. And thanks for having me on.
0: You know, uh, first of all, it's good to see you healthy. And I think that's the first thing people want to know. Um, I, I people always, anytime your name comes up, and it comes up a lot with baseball yeah. fans, <laughs> friends, baseball circles. They always wanted to. If you if you mention Doc Gooden, you say, "How's he doing? How is he?" Yeah. So, like, I know it's the most obvious question that you could start a podcast with, but how are you? How are how- you feeling? And how are you doing?
1: No, that's a great question because with health, that means that people still care, not that they don't just care for you as a baseball player or an athlete. They care about you as a person. And that feels better than asking, you know, baseball questions. And that's good to hear. Um, my health is good. I feel great. Um, I, I had my kids up all summer. They came up for Father's Day and some of them just stayed around. They're still here for the summer. And um, I'm just enjoying them. But, you know, everything is good. Very positive, healthy. And and then um, staying busy, you know, trying to stay busy with my kids, what they're doing with my grandkids, what they're doing, and um, enjoy myself. I wish the Mets and Yankees were playing better, you know, but um, that's another story for another day. But, yeah, everything's well. I couldn't complain.
0: (laughs) And you've got a new uh, product that we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. I want to ask you about that in in a second. Um, One of the neat things that we did talk about, because when you came on the radio show, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, we would talk about all kinds of different things, but what we talked about when we met in Marstown that day was the changes in baseball, how everybody throws a hundred and how yeah. launch angle, everyone has these like golf swings where they're, they're uppercutting on the ball right. and your eyes lit up because <laughs> you said I would eat that for breakfast. If you could yeah. just elaborate on that just I want I I just wanted you 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 had a swagger about you and I just I thought it was so fun to listen to um what about today's hitter that would make you if you if, if you were born now and, and and you were playing now uh how you could eat those guys alive
1: well what I meant by that was no disrespect to any of the hitters today no no, no obviously a bigger and stronger but the thing is they're taught and the system has taught these guys, even coming up through the minors, about this lunch angle thing. You know, they're all swinging for home runs, and they swing is kind of upwards. And me being a high ball pitcher. And, you know, I threw a lot of high fastballs, and my fastball had a lot of life on it in the upper part of the zone. And what I mean by that, I looked at faster than what it really was. So, for these guys with the uppercut swing, what they call launch lunch angle, and me with high fastball and 12-6 curveball, I feel like I had a field day. If I pitched today, and, and like I said, no disrespect to the hitter, but with that type of swing, nobody's in for average. Nobody's, you know, using a whole field. Nobody's, you know, making an adjustment with two strikes, trying to go the other way. They're all trying to hit home runs, and that works to my advantage, being a power pitcher. So, I would definitely have a field deal with these guys today.
0: A couple of weeks ago, uh, we had Derek Lowe on the podcast, and he made an interesting comment. You know, he was a sinker baller. He You know, he threw a heavy ball. And yes. he was trying to induce ground balls. That's that's how he made his career. I mean, he lives in a nice house because he was able to uh, get ground balls. Um, But he would not get promoted today. That if he right. was doing the same thing, he would not get promoted. Are, are scouts looking too one-sided? Are they only looking for the guy who throws 100 miles an hour? Because... Uh-oh you're missing out on an element of the sport. I Forget, let, let's not do the big picture of, you know, watchability and whether or not it's entertaining anymore and all that that stuff. What about the idea that if Derek Lowe was, again, just like you, like born now and starting out now, that no scouts would, would promote him to, to give him an opportunity because that's not what people are looking for now?
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, now this day and age, it's all about velocity, spin rate. you know, the guy's not throwing 97. And to me, when i talking to my nephew, Gary Sheffield, he said, those type of pitchers, he wrote face, Nolan Ryan and Bob Tootsbury. And I said, you gotta be kidding me. I said, explain that to me. He goes, well, Bob Tootsbury had great movement. He could change speeds. He could throw any pitch at any time. He said, when well, Nolan, Nolan was a power pitcher. Yes, he threw hard, but you knew what was coming. So it's easy to make adjustments adjustment.
0: All right. As promised, I, I want to get to uh, some of the questions that some of uh, the the my Facebook friends and, and, and listeners of the podcast got a chance to ask. They're, they're great ones. Uh, but first, okay. tell me, let's talk about Imbue. Imbue CBD. Um, how did you get involved? And well, how about this? Tell the origin story about how you got involved and why this is something that for someone who's recovering is a healthy alternative.
1: I think it's healthy. it helped me because I struggle with, you know, my sleep pattern was off, you know, and it's like they're called from consequences of addiction, and one of the I found out that it helps me relax, helps the muscles, and it helps with anxiety, which is one of the biggest things that, you know, I, I, just, I still with, whether you're active or not active. In my case, I'm not active, and I always have problems sleeping even before the addiction, so this helps me relax where well, I can get a good night's sleep, and, and it helps with so many different things, with muscle aches, the different types that they have, with muscle aches, muscle pains, and I wouldn't sell anybody anything or try to get anybody to purchase anything. I wrote them to you know, do their own homework and look at it first before they make their own decision. Um, I understand what pain feels like mentally, physically. I understand what pain looks like mentally and physically. So it's just one way of trying to get back. Um, There's been so many people have lost their lives They've done a lot less than I have done. So I feel like I'm still here for a reason. And so I just try to turn the mess that I made into messages, whether that can help somebody with the CBD products or just share my story with them. So I just think it's a great thing for them to look into themselves and hopefully they make the right decision. A lot of
0: people who are going to be listening to this are also dealing with addiction. Okay. So I want to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Is dealing with products that are involved with cbd is that walking a line are you walking too close to the line you've done such a great job of staying away from triggers, you know and and you've talked to me about staying away from triggers and making sure that you you know you don't fall into traps is is assure people that these products do the opposite of that
1: oh that's a great great question great question um the ones I use it definitely keep you away from it. And I would not put myself in any danger or p- try my best not to put anybody else in danger because I understand what pain looks like. I understand what pain feels like. And I understand that. And I think what we're doing is working the opposite. Like normally in addiction, most people struggle with anxiety. Most people struggle with the sleep patterns and all that. And this here, the CBD that I use works just the opposite. It helps me sleep. If I have a good night's sleep, if I have a good night's sleep, have a good mind. I get to make good choices the next day. They keep me away from any chemical abuse triggers, anything like that. And so I would think, with with the addicts, or even if they're not uh, having addiction problem, do the homework, read it first, see what you think, and then you make your own decision. I'm just saying what works for me, and um, hopefully they'll just give it a shot. And what I mean before you give it a shot, just read it, do your homework first. Don't just jump right into it and use it. Do your homework on it first, then go. It definitely works for me. I would not be promoting anything. This is not about money. I'm just trying to help those that have been suffering, like I've been suffering, to try to you know try to make their life better so they can live better and make better decisions moving forward as well.
0: And of course, uh, look at the show notes. Uh, there's the code and use the code DG16 for thirty percent off your first order. That is straight from the guys at MBU CBD. All right, in the time we have remaining. I got some great questions. You know, I, we could talk about the Mets. We could talk about the Yanks. I thought this would be fun to do it this way because there are some really unique questions. And I, I don't want this to sound like every other interview that you've ever done. Nice. Um, here's one. This is from Jerry. This is a good good guy, Jerry. Here. Okay. Jerry writes, is there a teammate that you weren't particularly close with you when you played that has surprised you? By sticking by you through everything you've been through in your post-playing career.
1: Wow. That a That's good a question. great
0: question.
1: Yeah. I'd probably say Barry Lyons, rough top of my head. And like and Barry Lyons, like we didn't spend a lot of time together, you know, we played together. Um we we always respected each other. Not that we hated each other, had problems. We just never really fit it. But then when I start going through my problems off the field once I retired, he's one guy that stayed in constant contact with me, and now we became close friends. And that's somebody that I never expected when we played together. Not that, it's just that we didn't fit. You know, at the ballpark, we say we speak. We never hung out outside the ballpark. But now we probably talk more than we ever talked, you know, the five or six years that we played together. So I would definitely say Barry Lyons by far.
0: No, that's a great, great, great answer and a great question. Good job, Jerry. All right, Brian writes, what is your favorite game you ever pitched? It can't be the no-hitter, or is it?
1: I seriously know hitter, and the reason being because it was the last game. My dad saw me play. Um, He was in the hospital, right? Yeah, he was in the hospital fighting for his life. Um, He had been on dialysis for 15 years. He's getting ready to have open heart surgery the next day. And I had my ticket to go home to be with him. Um, And I thought maybe he'll want me to pitch. I ended up pitching the only no hitter. Obviously, I've had better stuff in games, but that particular game, I made pitches when I needed to make the pitches. And it turned out to be the last game. My dad saw me pitch. He never made it home from the hospital. So that was definitely my favorite game.
0: That was a, such a fun night. I, I watched that game. That was such a fun night.
1: Thank you. That was crazy. And then we faced some Seattle Seattle, who yep. my mind had the best hitting team in baseball at the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, Doug writes, another great question. Is there a baseball player that you always wanted to be teammates with? You played your whole career in New York with the Mets and Yankees. Is there also another city you ever wanted to play for?
1: Um another city. Wow. I wouldn't probably say another city, but I definitely want to play with my nephew, Gary Sheffield. I wanted to mm-hmm. play with him. I, I came close, um, I think it was ninety three or ninety four. Joe Mike Domain was the general manager of the San Diego Padres, mm-hmm. and they was breaking up the team and they offered to trade Gary Sheffield for Greg Jeffries, and the Mets said no. Um, <laughs> the team psychiatrist at the time, Dr. Doctor Alan Lance, who was a good friend of mine, he didn't think it would be a good idea for me and Gary to be on the same team. They should have taken his license away from him once he said that. <laughs> I mean, cause, cause if you look at when any team that I faced Gary, whether it was with San Diego or it was with the um, Marlins, any time I pitched against his teams, I did well, and anytime time he played against the team I was on, he did well. I think it would have been a great fit, so I wish I could have got the play Gary.
0: I remember uh, when Gary Sheffield got traded to the Yankees, it was the epitome of the Yankees just bullying other teams. Like oh, man. That, that was when that George crazy. just spent and spent and spent. It was that, and uh, it, was, it was Gary and Raul Mondesi, two separate deals. Yep. Uh, I think Ra- Raul Mondesi was traded for a bucket of baseballs. I, I really do. it was like they were just giving these stars to the Yankees. Huh.
1: And and Gary he should have won MVP that year in the, in 04. They gave it to um Vladimir Guerrero yeah. with the Angels. But I thought Gary should've won it. Personally, if you look at the numbers. Um and I was actually working for the Yankees that year and I helped negotiate Gary's contract for the Yankees that year on the Yankees side. Huh.
0: That's weird. Hmm. <laughs> That's uh, that's, that's very, that's very weird.
1: Oh, and the thing that was crazy is George, I remember, um, Gary kept telling me, well, I want more money. They're using you They get me for less. I said, no, Gary, I mean, cause it was a year, it was kind of like a little con- collusion going on. Cause he had a great year, the previous year with Atlanta Braves. And then I remember Gary at the end said, uh, cause George told him he didn't want to deal with no agents. He said, just me, you and, and doc could do the contract. And once we Gary agreed to the contract, and the last day Gary was coming to the ballpark to sign the contract, he brought his agent in, and somebody <laughs> came in and asked him, who are you? And the guy said, I'm, whatever his name was, It's some Gary's agent. He goes, get the hell out of here. He threw him out, and then Gary got pissed, and Gary walked out, and then Joyce said, if Gary didn't sign the contract, I was fired. I'm like, how am I fired? I mean, I had nothing to do with that. So, yeah. that was just Joyce, but we, luckily we got the deal done, and everybody was
0: uh. Here here's another
1: here's another great one.
0: Uh Kurt writes, Why were you such a better pitcher at night than you were during day games?
1: Great question. Another You're right. Question. These guys got some great questions. Right? They did their I, I'm telling you, um, I, I, huh. I just
0: I, I know how to do a podcast, but these are really oh. great
1: questions. Oh, they are. These guys are right on. You know, and the thing is, and I love the questions. Well, you know, initially I would i would wake up like say nine, ten o'clock in the morning, have some breakfast. And just head to, take a shower, head to the ballpark. And before I knew it, I was on the mound. I wasn't quite awake yet. And the same guy as Dr. Alan Lance, who then wanted to trade to go through for Sheffield, he told me, he goes, just get up earlier. Because I always said, it felt like I'm on the mound. I'm not even awake yet. So instead of getting up at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock and being at the ballpark for 1 o'clock game, I always start getting up at 6 o'clock. And that helped me get more time and relax while I'm not rushing You know, for breakfast, not rushing to get to the ballpark. I got time just to kind of relax you know, and just get into the floor thing read the newspaper and kind of take my time, watch the news or whatever, and then go to the ballpark. So the theory was just get up, you know, four or five hours earlier than I was getting up, and then things changed for me later in my career.
0: Tom writes, ask him about how great Tampa high school baseball was back in his day, a ton of major leaguers.
1: Oh, it's unbelievable. Even if you want to go back right further to Little League, I found out about two months ago that it was 25 guys, get this, 25 guys from my Little League ballpark played at least one inning in the major leagues from my Little League ballpark. 25 guys. That's But the, not, that's crazy. But the high school competition was incredible when I was there. I mean, the talent, I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and the names that played in the big leagues and guys that had a lot of success. I mean, you go on and on. You know, myself, Gary Sheffield, Fred McGriff, Tino Martinez, Luis Gonzalez. I mean, on and on. I mean, Sterling Hitchcock, Mike Heath, Steve Garvey, Lupinella. I mean, you can go on and on. Um, Peter and the, guys, the guys now, Pete Alonzo, Cal Tucker. I mean, it just keeps going. All the talent just keeps flowing. But in my time in the 80s, I mean, every year was the number one pick coming out of, the, out of that area. Wade Boggs. I mean, you just keep going.
0: Yeah, it, Lupinella has been on this podcast. Um. Uh, there's a, a great film uh, called Basketball County in the Water. It's about uh, Prince George County in Maryland and basketball. Like, it, mm. it's something in the water where all these NBA guys have come from this county. You could make a sequel to that, call it Baseball County, and do it about Tampa.
1: Oh, definitely. And Tampa was big. Like, when we in, uh, I think one of the key was the weather was so great, you could play year round. So they had leagues year round. It wasn't like travel it was no travel baseball back then. There's none of that stuff. And none of it. All this in the um, instructional league and all this stuff, coaches pitch. We always start pitching at eight, nine years old. I mean, and so you'll learn at a very young age. But the competition was just incredible. And we're trying to get some of that back now so the kids can get the same opportunity that we had growing up. But now the areas, I know like the area I grew up in, Belmont Heights, Little League, the area is so bad where it's just tough to get kids to play. And, and you know, I understand it. But it's just tough because even the little league I played, that went to I think it was like five, or, I think it was five or six different little league rosters, and and like three senior league rosters. Hmm. So it was, it was a lot, a lot of
0: That's nuts. Uh, here's another great one. Dale writes, and says, "Was there a particular obscure player that just drove you nuts trying to get him out?" Okay. I say here's the, here's the example that I can use. I remember Mariano Rivera was this great player, right? He's a teammate of yours. He's this yep. a Hall of Famer, a surefire Hall of Famer. Edgar Martinez owned him. Like, yes. owned him. Like, yep. he just, every right. time the Mariano Rivera was pitching against the Mariners, when I covered the Mariners, you wanted Edgar Martinez up. There was a time he wasn't playing. He was hurt. And he pinch hit against Mariano Rivera. Was there a sure. guy that drove you nuts trying to get him out?
1: That's easy. Chili Davis was my guy. Chili Davis, the same thing. Chili was a guy I could not get out. I mean, the high fastball, he he wouldn't swing yet. If I made a tough pitch, he'll foul it off. I made a mistake, he'll make me pay for it. And back then, I mean, not necessarily trying to hurt a guy, but you can hit a guy. You can go knock a guy down, try to intimidate him. I've done all that with Chili, could never get him out. And it's funny because when Chili was the hitting instructor with the Mets before COVID, I said, Chili, let's go on a bike field. Bike away from everybody. Let's go at it one more time. One more time, and whatever happens, <laughs> stay right there. I just wanted to see if I can get him out one time, but um, <laughs> it never happened. But yeah, Chile was the thorn in my side. I cannot get this guy out.
0: <laughs> Did you see the uh, story from the All Star Game? Uh, King Griffey Jr. and David Ortiz were talking about how they want to have like a Legends Home Run Derby. No, yeah, they want to. They they want to have like uh, a bunch of guys who like used to play. And they right. want to have, you know, like an old timers' home run derby, and <laughs> I.
1: I well,
0: the only thing I said was, yeah, sure. You, that, that the media is going to go gaga for that because they like those guys more than they like today's players.
1: Oh yeah, it's so totally different. And you, I'll put my money on on Sheffield. Not not that he's my nephew, but when he was working out with his son Noah, he had a cigar in his mouth and hitting him out of the park like nothing. He still has it, and he's still in top shape. I'll put my money on Gary right now today. <laughs>
0: All right, a couple more. Uh, here we go. Uh, Mike, Mike writes, I would like to know if Doc is familiar with the song You and Your Heroes by DeLench Mob, and if so, how you feel about being name-checked in it.
1: Huh. I'm not familiar with it. I'm not sure if I heard it or not. I'm not sure.
0: Okay. Eh, that was worth a try. All right. Um, if you were, that would have been an awesome question,
1: though. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I apologize. I probably heard it and just don't remember.
0: Okay. Hey, there, there's probably huge chunks of your life you don't remember.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you think about it. There's yep. probably a lot of times you were on my radio show and you don't don't remember. So that's pretty
1: good. Some of my stuff happened, yes. And some <laughs> stuff you don't want to remember. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: Matt Matt writes and says, If Shohei uh comes to him and says, I'm thinking about signing with the Yankees, what am I in store for? He also writes he was a uh, Doc was a career one ninety six hitter, which is better than the average pitcher. Put in perspective, what Otani is doing.
1: Oh man, you, you know it's amazing. Coming up through high school, I wanted to be Otani. I wanted to do what he was doing. I wanted to be the I wanted to be the first guy to be a hitter and a player. But well, obviously, I wouldn't I went nowhere close to that. And what he's doing is amazing. I mean, and I'll be the first one to admit when he came into the league, I thought there was no way he would last on both. I said, eventually they're going to make this guy a pitcher. And obviously he's probably a better hitter than a pitcher. Um, What he's doing, I mean, it's just like once in a generation type thing. And I mean, I don't know how you, this guy can ask me anything he wants and can probably get it. It's just truly, truly amazing what he's doing. And hopefully do come to New York. um, Either, either New York team. I'll be happy.
0: All right. I want to do one more and then uh, we'll wrap up the podcast. Uh, Pete writes and says, yeah. uh, "Doc, through the prism of the current rules, would the pitch clock be an issue for you?"
1: I don't think so. I like that because you know pitchers a lot of times. Too much, too um, much. I think with pitch clock, it makes you work faster, and you get a rhythm going. to keeps the infielders and outfielders on your toes. The defense, you know, you make a pitch, you walk around the mound. A lot of it. <laughs> a lot of it is um, just superstitious like same with the hitters stepping out of boxes they take the gloves off they put the gloves back on I like the pace of the game now so I'm, you know it's, it's all about making adjustments same way with umpires you know you have umpire maybe calling down away and what we had to do in our time was make the adjustment to the umpire strike zone so now mm-hmm. you just make the adjustment to the speed clock I actually like it and I think it helps the game
0: very nice very nice i want to thank everybody who uh chimed in i couldn't ask all these questions i mean we got 45 more oh,
1: great questions
0: these are great right uh, very yes. very good uh good question i've never done that on the podcast 414 episodes we never did that before but i think i want to do it more I, oh, depend- yeah,
1: definitely.
0: depending on who it is I, I i think this is this is something very cool
1: um i, mean, one- I love to do more of that
0: yeah, you can, should come back. When you have more yeah, time, you can come back. we definitely
1: there, For sure. Yeah, yeah we can there. do
0: it. I don't even have to solicit more questions. I can just use these. Um, yeah, those are great. <laughs> um, one thing I noticed, you know, I, I'm a little younger than you. Um, so, I was a child of the 80s. Uh, I'll always say, you know, I was homesick from school. I saw Mets-Astros, that extra inning playoff game. i I'd yeah. never forget that. I was a Yankee fan growing up. Um, my last year before I, I kind of started my broadcasting career was 96. I saw you no hitter. My friend uh, Dave Cohen called it. Um, but the evolution of the name Doc Gooden. I knew about Dr. K. Yep. I knew Dwight Gooden. Hmm. <laughs> when did it morph into Doc Gooden? And ironically, when you I, I don't I hope I'm not speaking out of school, when yep. you texted me, the first thing you introduced yourself, you you called yourself Dwight. And yes. over all the years, I thought you went by Doc. <laughs> how,
1: how did that whole thing with the name evolve? Well, Doc came about, um, my dad had a friend that was actually a doctor. He used to do autopsies. And as a kid, I'd say I was like seven, eight, nine years old. I used to go with him all the time to see autopsies. I don't know why I was into that whatever I, I mean i couldn't go now i, I wouldn't have the stomach to, to see it now but i should go all the time to see it and then once i got to high school i was still going with him and so he's always telling my dad i was gonna be a doctor not a baseball player and so for whatever reason when i would pitch my high school games this guy his name was Dennis williams he would get to the fence when i had two strikes on a batter and he would start yelling come on dog operate on the dock you have another patient dog! put him away dog!" Hmm. And the one particular day, the newspaper was there and they wrote the story about it and put Doc and start calling me Doc. And then my teammates, as a joke, start calling me Doc, the doctor. It just kind of stuck. And then ni- 1982, when I got drafted, like every baseball player, they give you a nickname. And the guy started calling me Goody. I didn't really like Goody. I said, by home, they called me Doc. And then Doc kind of stuck. And then once we got to the majors, you know, with the strikeouts, they added the K for strikeouts, Dr. K. And then the Doc Gooden came. I just started signing Doc Gooden because it's, it's, instead of writing Dwight Gooden, the demand for autographs became more and more after the All Star game in '84. So that's how Doc Gooden kind of came into place. But my my name, I go, you know, like I guess I guess Doc is a good name, but Doc I look at more of the character, baseball yeah. character, and Dwight's my name.
0: Yeah. Well, Dwight, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, I again. The biggest thing for you, you know, getting to know you just in your post career. Again, I was a little younger than you uh, getting to know you after your career and knowing the ups and downs, um, knowing that you are so public about everything that you went through, um, watching you in that documentary on the 30 for 30, which we didn't even get to the Mm. the, the, there's so much uh, to be happy for. And I was thrilled when we had the opportunity to have you on the podcast. Good luck with imbue CBD, but uh, just stay stay healthy and come back, come back on the podcast, and let's do more of this.
1: I will. And thanks for, thanks for having me. And I look forward to coming back. You have a great show. Keep up the good work. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon, buddy.
0: That is Dwight Gooden. What a thrill to have Doctor K on the podcast. And thanks so much to all the folks who submitted questions if i didn't get your question in it was just in the interest of time nothing i can do and yes he wanted to come back so you know we'll do it again in the fall next week a very special guest um they've all been special recently uh sarah langs is going to join us Who is Sarah Lang? She is an MLB researcher. She works for MLB Advanced Media. That's where I used to work. She used to be a researcher for ESPN. That's where I used to work. Uh, She has recently been diagnosed with ALS and is starting a grassroots campaign to raise money and awareness for ALS. Uh, It's an emotional podcast, but a very, very positive one. And I'm looking forward to having that next week here on Sports with Friends. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Get it into your inbox, whatever your podcast app is. Make sure you support the podcast. Give it a rating. Uh, Five stars would be nice. And we will see you next week. If
2: you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. Stay here, I got to be me You'll never be in doubt That's what it's all about You can't take me for granted and smile Count the please. I'm gone Forget reaching me by phone Because I promise I'll be gone for a while When you see me again I hope that you have been The kind of person